Welcome to the Arise Podcast. This is Capuchin Father Richard Owens. And this is Father Eric Banneker. And I'm Gina Christian. Where we explore Catholic life in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia and reflect on the Word of God as it speaks to us in our own day. And today we are truly honored to have with us Sister Kathleen Chapani, Father William Murphy, and Father Stephen Thorne. Welcome, my dear friends. Thank you. Good to be here. Nice to be here. So, Sister and fathers, if you wouldn't mind uh, going around and just introducing yourself so that the audience could get to know who you are, who's with us. Uh, my name is Father Murphy. I am the pastor of St. Martin of Tours in Philadelphia and the director of uh, Mother of Mercy House in Kensington. I am Sister Kathleen Chapani, and I'm a member of the Immaculate Heart of Mary Sisters. I'm the director of the Office for Persons with Disabilities and the Deaf Apostolate. I'm Father Stephen Thorne. I serve as pastor of St. Martin de Porres Catholic Church in what we call the Kingdom of North Philadelphia. I'm also a faculty member at New University in Aston, Delaware County. So welcome, one and all. Father Murphy, I noticed that you mentioned that you are the director of the Mother Mercy House. For our listeners, could you just tell us a little bit about Mother Mercy House? Sure. Mother Mercy House is a ministry uh, that we opened up in the Kensington area of the city five years ago. It was an area where a lot of the churches closed down for economic reasons, but we still wanted to maintain a Catholic presence in the neighborhood. So with Archbishop Shep Hughes' approval, we opened up Mother Mercy House, which began as a basically storefront church in the Kensington area. And we celebrate Mass there and the sacraments and also just do a lot of outreach to the community uh, with food, with counseling and different things like that. Just the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. Thank you. And Sister Kathleen, I understand you also have a rather unique ministry here in the Archdiocese. Sure. So for the Office for Persons with Disabilities, I support parishes so that they are inclusive of um, people with disabilities. And in the Deaf Apostolate, it's a direct ministry to people who are deaf and use American Sign Language. Father Sean Loomis and Deacon William Griffin and I meet the needs of people who are deaf through daily Mass, Sunday liturgies, the sacraments, pastoral care. Thank you, Sister. So uh, today we find ourselves in a rather um, unique time in the church and in our country and in the world in the midst of this great uh, pandemic. So I was wondering, what type of unique challenges have you experienced in your current uh, ministries? Obviously, the pandemic has been uh, unprecedented times for our world. I know myself, I've never experienced anything before as, as a priest and just as a human being. I think for me, living in, in North Philadelphia, 24th and Lehigh, and one of the things about our priests is our priests live in a community. You know, many of the pastors that minister in parishes like mine in the black community do not live among the people, but our Catholic priests do. That being the case, that uh, really seeing the suffering and I think what the pandemic has done is expose what we already know, the challenges that are in people of color, uh, the reality that people go through. You know, I often say, you know, stay at home is a relative term. You know, if you don't have a home, your home is dysfunctional, or you're living with multiple people in your home, well, then it's not a very pleasant place to be at times. So uh, it really has, uh, for me, really exposed uh, the challenges that the people of St. Martin de Porres, North Philadelphia, experience on a daily basis. Thank you, Father. Yeah, I would just say, uh, going along with that, I think the challenge has been, for our parishioners, it has been their longing to be in church, to celebrate together as a community, and not being able to do that, and finding ways to reach out to the people 
people and let them know that they are still connected to the church. In fact, that they are themselves a church. I think it's been a real challenge. If there's anything positive, one of the things that has come of it is the challenge has helped us to hopefully help people to see that they are the church and that even in these times when we can't necessarily be in the building, we've been challenged to help people find ways to stay connected to God, to find their own inner resources, to work on spirituality in different kinds of ways, and then to stay connected with each other through other means, whether it's Zoom, which has become very popular, WhatsApp, and different forms of communication. So the challenge has been really helping people to stay connected and to find their own inner resources, their own inner spiritual resources, and to see themselves perhaps more fully as church, even when not in the building. As important, of course, as it is to come together as family in the temple. For the Catholic deaf community, for people who are deaf and use American Sign Language, the stay at home with their families, they can communicate, but not necessarily with their neighbors. And so um, gathering the deaf community together in person is the means of communication for the deaf. It's an in-person kind of communication. So that's been a big challenge. And, and also these times of uncertainty for the deaf community to always know if, if they've received all the information, if the information has been accessible to them in their language. Thank goodness our city and the state are pretty good with that in regards to providing broadcasts that are interpreted in their language. But there are things that happen instantaneously that sometimes it's not communicated in American Sign Language and it can lead uh, individuals to feel even doubly uncertain about these times. Thank you, sister. Uh, so I understand that um, here in our diocese, many people have responded to this pandemic differently. So I'm just interested to know ways in which uh, you three have responded creatively uh, to the challenges in which we find ourselves. Well, I guess uh, the one thing that I think we've done, a lot of parishes has done, uh, is, you know, live streaming masses so that people have some connection. Zoom conferences, we've had Zoom conferences with our youth group, Zoom chats or conferences with our pastoral council. So uh, that's been one creative way that we've tried to stay connected and reach out and help people maintain a connection with their church and, you know, stay together as, as, a, as a Catholic Christian family. For the deaf community, it's been really beautiful to see the deep desire to deepen um, personal prayer and times of reflection. One of the ways that we responded as pastoral workers is we decided to have a daily vlog, which is a video of a reflection on the daily readings of the Mass. It began with Father Sean Loomis and myself and Deacon Bill Griffin, and then we expanded that to uh, about three other um, lay leaders who just signed a brief reflection on the daily reading. And the response to that was really beautiful. Um, then we meet up with people as like a check-in on Mondays. And it, it was lovely to see people responding to that daily connection to God's Word each day. And nationally, deaf lay leaders just began spontaneously live Facebook streaming of a daily rosary or divine mercy. It was beautiful to see people, lay people themselves, deciding that they wanted to connect with in the community and share times of prayer. So that was inspiring to me to see how creative 
and the desire to connect with people through prayer and through their faith. We've seen how the early church literally lived out their faith. And I think that's been uh, what I've witnessed, along with sister and father said already, I've seen the church alive without the building so much, but people's faith uh, clinging to Christ, clinging to each other and caring for each other. It's been very edifying to see that without some of the, the structural things that sometimes get in the way of church. The church is alive in, in, in people's hearts. And I know in our parish, St. Martin de Porres Parish, we have a, a small community and small can be good in the sense we have prayer partners. People are praying the rosary on the phone with each other. They're checking in with the elders. Uh, we're giving out food. And all this has come by the people, uh, their own spirit alive. I, I don't, you don't need my permission as pastor to do, to do justice, to do kindness, to do prayer with each other. And so I've seen a deepening of the, the lay apostolate in the church coming alive and really showing the, the faith that is alive. So Father Thorne, I saw on your Facebook page that you sponsored a food pantry pop-up. Could you tell the audience a little bit about this little creative pop-up in the kingdom of North Philadelphia? Yeah, I've noticed. Uh, <laughs> I've noticed uh, myself being more, obviously, more on social media, and I saw this. Another church did it. Basically, just was a just a random act of kindness. And oftentimes, we see these flash mobs of, of mess and flash mobs of craziness, a flash mob of goodness. So um, we had some food that someone had donated in our food cupboard. And some of our lay volunteers and members of our parish council, just after church was open on Sunday, just put out food. Um, but also we put out a bulletin, our, our voter registration information. We had masks. We tried to also connect with people to know their names and their needs. And so it was really an example of church, you know. Um, and more importantly, I said to people, I want to see you come to mass with us when we come back and worship in a few weeks. Thank you, Father Thorne. What do you three look forward to uh, most upon returning to the ability to move about freely and minister and be great uh, pastoral agents in your particular ministries? Obviously, I think the big thing will be uh, be able to celebrate liturgy together again. And not just liturgy, yes, obviously the Mass, but um, all the different parish activities, being able to have it, those things to start up again, even if they have, obviously there'll still be restrictions in the green stage with masks and, and whatnot. But just have people be able to gather our prayer groups to come back again, our youth group to come back again, even social activities that we do as a parish, it would be exciting to see them come back again. At Mother Mercy House, we have a program that's been amazingly successful called Second Saturday, where volunteers can come and cook a meal for the homeless and the neighbors. And that we have not been able to do. And our volunteers are really anxious to get back to doing that because they love coming down and helping and the people love getting a meal. So just being able to do those things again, it'll be exciting to get back to that. Sure, Father Murphy, if someone's interested in volunteering or getting more involved in Mother Mercy, how would they track you down or track down the uh, information about Track Mother me Mercy? down, that sounds threatening. Um, <laughs> no, I would just say, so all they just go to mothermercyhouse.org and they can get all the information and our email is there. People do get in touch with us through that. Let us know that they'd like to volunteer, whether it's on a second Saturday or dropping off food. And I, because I, I, I did just want to mention, as Sister and uh, Father Thorne were mentioning, we've had so many amazingly generous people. We put out a call for food with when the pandemic came because we had an increased number of people asking for food and the response was just incredible uh, financial contributions one day 10 carloads from St. Andrews in Newtown came down and dropped off 10 carloads of food to fill our cupboards and then help us put everything away so that generosity has been amazing so to answer your question again to be able to get back to that should we say full time or with less restrictions uh, will be good for our community and it'll be good for the so many people out there who, who love helping and reaching out. For me, I just can't wait to see people again and to uh, 
be in community. But also, I think there's a silver lining because my hope is that all of us in the deaf community will have a deeper appreciation of what it means to be in community with one another at the liturgy and to be in the real presence of, of God in the Eucharist. And that the silver lining will be that some of the things we've learned during this time that we were unable to be together, you know, the kindness, the respect, um, the realization of our own vulnerabilities will lead us to just be a kinder, more respectful, deeply appreciative of who we are as the body of Christ when we come together again. I was saying to someone um, that you know, we thank God for our social media and all the different platforms uh, that we've been able to use with technology. It's been a blessing because it's allowed us to stay connected. But God did not tweet us, his mm-hmm. son. God did not send us a text message. The Lord is, is, is real, is incarnation. You know, the word became flesh among us. And so, you know, God showed his love to us in, in sending us Jesus Christ. And Jesus never practiced social distancing. He was always very close to people. And our sacraments are our flesh realities. They're, they're things where we touch and smell and taste. And so I think for, for St. Martin de Porres and for me personally, um, well, I'm from a large family, so people are important to me. And so being able to have that contact is something I'm looking forward to. It's wonderful to see people's faces and to hear their voices, but you know, it is those moments of real encounter. You know, when you, uh, when you anoint someone, when you shake someone's hand, when you lay hands on a child in, in a holy, healthy way, that's, that's the example of what Christ did. And so I'm looking forward to that when we get to that stage. Thank you. So when the Archbishop arrived, he preached a wonderful homily on hope. So I'll just ask you, the three of you, um, what message of hope would you give to your community, to your particular communities at this point? Well, I guess what message of hope would I give to my community? Well, one, I would say the the one hopeful sign. So interestingly enough, this was at the second reading a few weeks ago, Peter mentions hope. And I think I actually shared with you, Father Richard, that, you know, um, for us as Christians, hope isn't crossing your fingers and wishing for the best possible outcome that may or may not happen, right? Hope for us is waiting in confidence for what we know will happen and has already begun to happen, right? Christ's love has conquered everything. So I think the message I would give to my prisoners and to the people at Mother Mercy House is that we have already seen so much of that conquering love even in these difficult days. I mean, just the example again of so many people who reached out to drop off food, so many people that called to ask, how are you guys doing? How are things going at Mother Mercy House? What do you need? So many prisoners at St. Martin's who would call and say, hey, Father, I know we have a food cupboard. I'm coming over. I just want to drop off a box of food in case people need it. So I think one of the the ways that would give them hope is to let them know there have already been so many, you know, loving signs, which is the proof of God's loving presence and and that there will come a day when we can share that love more, as everyone here has been saying, more physically being in each other's presence again. And in the meantime, the hope, what gives us hope is we know that we are not alone, that even now God is with us. God dwells within us. His love is there and we say it all the time but now's the time when we maybe experience at a deeper level that that love does conquer all it conquers our fear it conquers the ups and downs we go through and it keeps us it can keep us calm and keep us stable in the midst of all the you know that we're going through in the pandemic saint paul mentioned never be ashamed to be able to proclaim the reason for your hope it was amazing to me during the pandemic so many of the people in the Catholic deaf community would say the reason for their hope was their faith and the promise that it gives and the promise that is a reality. So that deepening of faith during this time that can be shared 
you know, when we come together again in community is the reason for my hope. Well, I was assigned to St. Martin de Porres um, nine years ago now. Um, being from North Philadelphia, I started the, the phrase St. Martin de Porres Catholic Church in the kingdom of North Philadelphia. And I oftentimes people wonder, how is that a kingdom? Because we know 24th and Lehigh is one of the more challenging parts of our city. It's true that the, the data shows that. But I say that intentionally because the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is right here, right now. And um, reminding people that God has not abandoned you. God is with you. And I, I preach it often because many times folks think that God has somehow left us, but God is with us. And, and I think that's important. And this, that's evidenced by the way people have moved about in this very challenging time. So my hope is, you know, people continue to to come, to worship, uh, to, to do justice, to, to help people. Because many people have really struggled this time. You know, it, it, it bothers me. We see people who've lost their jobs. When people have so much and some folks have so little, you know, it, it should bother all of us that uh, um, the children in our public schools have not had the same education other children have had. That has not, it's been so dysfunctional in many ways. It should bother us that, that people continue to um, have, uh, have, to, have to go to work and, and, and have health, their health compromised because they're essential workers. So, um, but God has not abandoned us. God is with us. And we have to continue to offer that mess, especially in challenging times. A lady said, one of our saints said, uh, the bells that ring at St. Martin's, she says, Father, she called us, Father, I love when the bells go off. She said, because it reminds us that God is not dead. Thank you. So for our next uh, line of questions, I'm just curious. So during this time of pandemic, a lot of people were turning to Netflix and reading novels and books. Are the three of you watching anything interesting or reading anything interesting that you want to share with our audience? Okay, I'm going to confess one thing. Netflix, you know what I did watch? I can't believe I'm going to say this. Um, I watched Tiger King. Okay. the whole thing because it was all everyone was talking about it like, what is this Tiger King thing so I, I watched it and it was I don't know if you've seen it it's just kind of goofy to tell you the truth but there's been a lot of time for uh, reading so it's been nice to be able to sit down and have a longer span of time to do some reading and underlining instead of you know necessarily running to the next thing so yeah I'd say I've been doing more reading uh, I just finished a book by Elizabeth Johnson Creation and the Cross which was excellent and then perfect for its connection with um, Pope Francis's Laudato Si and how how Christ's death and resurrection redeems not just humanity but all of creation and what that means and how all of us are interconnected. So yeah, there's I've been doing more reading than usual. Father Murphy often says that he, he reads the books and I, I buy the books <laughs> and put them on my shelf. Um, but no, seriously, uh, it, it has given me a moment to really uh, uh, to be more reflective. I find myself just with the Office of Readings and the, the Liturgy of the Hours just being more intentional about that, reflecting on that as, as a priest. Um, I find myself with the daily readings of Mass, uh, even not being able to preach as I normally would, the length and time especially, but still being able to really reflect more on the God's Word. I, I just find myself doing a lot of, a lot of maintenance. I just find, always try to be active. So I'm over in church, moving things, cleaning things, planning things. So it's been a great way to spend my time uh, in a constructive way. For me, the Netflix series that I saw was the English game about the beginning of soccer. It's really good if anyone is is into soccer or football. I enjoyed that. And uh, another personal care thing that I made a decision to do is to take very, very long walks in South Philadelphia. So I saw the beautiful streets, um, you know, up and down every way from both rivers, the Schuylkill to the Delaware. So that was enjoyable. But the book that I, I'm reading currently is God's Wild Flowers, Saints with Disabilities. And it's by a, a wonderful woman from England who's a theologian and has a daughter with a significant disability. Her name's Pia Matthews. Another great reading, especially for people who care about um, the way we love and care for people with 
profound disabilities. God's Wildflowers relates to uh, Little Treese's quote saying that we're not all roses and lilies, that the wildflowers, the lilies, and the daisies were important to God's creation also and bring beauty to our world. Sister, um, you're a religious, and uh, I suspect you have several sisters living with you. So how is it living in a convent with how many sisters do you have? So there's 11 of us, and it's a a high school faculty house. And I have to say that it's been a a blessing in that itself it's a community. And uh, consecrated women religious and men religious are fortunate to have the Blessed Sacrament and chapel in their convent homes. So that has been a blessing and, and also a realization for us that while so many people desired to be with the Blessed Sacrament and to receive the Blessed Sacrament, um, we felt a, you know, a special um, responsibility to be praying for the world. It's funny you mentioned, Father Richard, about living in community. I live alone, uh, as many priests do it now. And so um, I was saying to my sister, you know, how it was kind of kind of weird being alone and being lonely in a big rectory. At one time, I had six priests in it. And my sister said, which nephew do you want? The one in college? <laughs> the one who's the baby? The one who's the toddler? She said, which one do you want to take care of? I said, I'm okay. <laughs> so for our last round of questions, very simple. Who is your favorite saint and why? Someone has to answer. I have to think for a second. Yeah, I have to think. I didn't know we were going to get that one thrown at us. It's ah. a good question. I'm going to call out uh, St. Catherine Drexel and uh, for a lot of reasons. One, um, I began my ministry at Blessed Catherine Drexel Parish in Chester um, 22 years ago, and I've always had a great devotion to her and um, and even able, able to even draw close to her earthly remains here in the cathedral. Um, not so much because, um, obviously, her money story and her privilege um, is, is extraordinary. She gave so much of her, her father's money away, but the fact that she was able to see in, in black and brown people God's image. And uh, in a person like myself, she would see me as, as, as God's child and in a time when the world and in a church didn't always do that. So I have a big picture of her that's traveled with me in every rectory f- uh, for 22 years um, that reminds me that I, I am God's child. So I, I'm going to give a shout out to St. Catherine Drexel of Philadelphia. Right, thank you. I had to pause with that question because at different times in my life, there's been different saints that I would call my favorite saint. I think right now it's St. Francis de Sales, and I I just love recalling his story of how he befriended a a young man who was deaf and recognized in him his holiness and also his skills and how they were lifelong friends. So I would say it's St. Francis de Sales. Yeah, I think I pause for the same reason. I would say there have been different saints at different times. I, I was going to say St. John of the Cross um, initially just because his writings were very influential on me in my later years in the seminary. But I think now the other reason I hesitated is because the saint I wanted to say is St. Francis of Assisi, but he can be overplayed sometimes and it can, almost becomes banal because, you know, it's just the man, the birdbath saint, <laughs> as Richard Rohr refers to him. But the reason that I really have admired him lately is because, you know, way back then he already had a deep insight into the interconnectedness of all things and of all creation. And I think now we see even more clearly, scientifically, how true that is, and we see more clearly spiritually how important that is, right? If this pandemic has shown us anything, it's that we are all interconnected and that everything we do affects everyone and all of creation. And so I think he's a real good model for that. 
And so that's why I would say St. Francis of Assisi. Thank you. So Sister Kathleen and Father Murphy and Father Thorne, thanks for coming and joining us for the Rise podcast. And uh, St. Francis of Assisi, St. Francis of Sales, and St. Catherine Drexel pray for us. Amen. You got like a radio voice. Thank you, Father Murphy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You've been listening to the Arise podcast with Capuchin Father Richard Owens and Father Eric Banneker. I'm Gina Christian, and for more resources and information on the Arise project, visit archphila.org forward slash arise. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Our engineers are Jocelyn Martinez and Gina Christian. Music by Johnny Markin, taken from the Instrumental Acoustic Hymns Project, owned by Essential Christian under the imprint Elevation, with an arrangement copyrighted by Music Services. For more information on the Arise Project, visit archphila.org forward slash arise.